Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. Patrick, again, coming to us from across the pond. Uh, he is over there in London. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said when they listen to the podcast that you, A, sound better in London. B, <laughs> I think that you're happier in London. I just think you should <laughs> stay in London. Just never come back. I, listen, Seth, uh, you know, I'm going to have to bring my wife in uh, next time we record one of these just so uh, we can give that feedback because she may not trust. But uh, yeah, no, I, listen, uh, my, my sister, give the people what they want. My sister lives here. The weather's better here almost all times of the year compared to Canada. Uh, Canada, there was snow on the ground when we left in mid-April, of course. Um, and of course, uh, there's just a vibe to London that and I, I hate using the word vibe, but I just did. And so I have to lean into it now. There's an energy to London. How about that? That's better. Uh, that just doesn't quite exist uh, anywhere else in the world. Uh, and every time I'm here, it's hard not to get swept up in it. So yeah, I feel youthful. You know what? Maybe it's all the walking. You know, I've got the Fitbit set and I'm averaging like 15,000 steps a day. And if you're back in Montreal or Toronto or New York or Boston, yeah, you you're can walk around anywhere. those cities. Yeah, you're, 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 yeah, so it's, I, honestly, I, I wish this was a video podcast because I'd love to show off the quads after a yeah, week plus in go. London. But uh, That's you know, you'll just, That's you'll just have you to- That's what you should use your social media for. You'll just have to use your imagination, kind listener, and just assume that, uh, you know what? Actually, I just signed up for a half marathon in the fall with my uh, good buddy from Toronto. So this is, uh, I'm rehabbing the ankle from last time I was here, and uh, I'm ready. So yeah, you know what? I I think I just gushed for the first three minutes of this podcast. So yeah, if anyone thinks that I sound better or happier when I'm in London, uh, guilty as charged. (laughs) <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, you're over there in Europe, and I know that uh, politics is a big thing over at Bavada. Um, what were the odds and what was the latest on uh, President Macron and the, his uh, re, um, re-election campaign? Allez, allez, Macron. So Macron was just re-elected uh, as president of the French Republic late Sunday night over challenger Marine Le Pen. And she's changed her party name three or four times the last few years. It used to be the National Front. I don't know what it's called now. Now it's called, uh, well, it's called Second Place, I guess. But uh, she actually she gave got... A, she gave a uh, concession speech that said that she won. So um, she's fitting right in along, along the lines. <laughs> yeah. L- hey, listen, if, if moral victories or, you know, theoretical victories, uh, hey, listen, those all sound nice. Uh, you don't get to sit in uh, the Palace of Versailles. Uh, if you come in second, but uh, look, going back a few months though, she had gotten as high as uh, about 45% to win the presidency at Bavada, you know, Macron. And I, I think a lot of world leaders uh, in Western countries, you know, Hey, I, I'm here in the UK and Boris has been in the thick of it himself. Uh, it hasn't been easy for Biden, Trudeau in Canada. It's two years of uh, uncertainty in the world. Uh, you know, you, you can't really control what happens during a pandemic, but, uh, you know, people have to push their frustration somewhere. So I, I get it. There's not a lot of uh, Western leaders right now that are, that are polling particularly well. So uh, maybe that was kind of overconsidered, I guess, in uh, Le Pen's odds at Bavada at that time. Uh, but w- when the chips were down, uh, the people of France uh, voted for stability. They voted for, you know, a pro-EU, pro-Western, uh, you know, a, a, ma- a man who's clearly, you know, pro-NATO, pro-Ukraine. And that's resonated with, uh, you know, 58% of voters. That was pretty strong. And that came with Le Pen also really softening her message from someone that was 
you know, fiercely nationalist, fiercely she was very immigrant. Pro Putin too. And she wanted to be out of the EU. She wanted to abandon the euro. And she had uh, abandoned or either extremely softened all of those takes to try and moderate herself in this one. And if you were ever going to beat Macron, historically, the French don't really like uh, their incumbents too often. We're getting into a little French political history, which is I know what everyone signed up for this week. Uh, (laughs) But for him to have won uh, re-election with an 18-point victory like that uh, really spoke to, you know, even if he himself wasn't as popular his policies perhaps were or at least the antithesis of what Le Pen's policies were enough to get him over the top and not just in the squeaker again almost a 20-point victory um the odds closed uh at Bavada with um Macron was like minus 1200 or so so you would have had to risk 1200 dollars to win a hundred dollar profit uh if you were able to back Macron a few months back uh, you could have gotten a much more sizable return but uh, as of the last debate, as of uh, all the exit polling leading into the weekend, not exit polling, all the polling leading into the weekend and then the exit polling Sunday, we close with Macron roughly uh, a 95% chance of winning that election. Uh, what does that mean for uh, you know other incumbents heading into the fall? It remains to be seen. We still have the Republicans as a pretty big favorites to retake the House and the Senate as it currently stands. But uh it's only April 25th, Seth. We've got we've got a lot of time between now and November. And I'm sure, uh, you know, in the spirit of bipartisanship, I think both parties will put their foot in their mouths more than a few dozen times between now and then. Yeah, we shall see exactly what it is. All right. This is a sports podcast. Let's get to the sports and see what's going on with that. The NFL draft uh, is going on. I would imagine with live betting, you could, li- you know, bet each pick, um, you know, if it but to sit here ahead of time and say, well, I don't know what the ninth pick in the draft is going to be. Well, that depends on what the eighth and the seventh pick are going to be. Am I looking at that right? Yeah, you've absolutely got it right. And this this is the issue uh, with trying to not just offer this before the draft starts, but uh, trying to reoffer it as the draft now goes live. And, you know, we're following the mock drafts. We are, you know, doing our own internal stuff. It's very difficult. And this is, um, you know, the, so we have on paper who we think would be the best fit for all these teams. But, uh, you know, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NBA or NHL, uh, we know coaches and front offices often do suboptimal moves. That's very difficult for us to try and project. Uh, we know who we think would be the best uh, fit at number one or who would, should be the top QB listed. But uh, does that mean the front office of that NFL team agrees with us? And then how do we adjust? When somebody goes really off the board and says, oh, you know what, screw it, I'm going to grab a running back second, third overall. Now that running backs are pretty fungible offensive characters that feel, you know, apologies to any former or current running backs listening. But uh, yeah, your role has become uh, a lot less more impactful than certainly a QB. But now wide receivers have really taken over uh, just because it's become such a passing league now. Um, so I, I think what you'll see live betting uh, with us and, you know, with some of our competitors as well is pretty conservative stuff to start you know we'll try and dip our toes in with okay is the fifth pick going to be offensive defense and then as we start seeing big names come off the board then we will try and readjust uh what we think we think we know and who's going to be going to these teams in the latter stages of the first round it's it's super tough though we try it every year seth and uh 
I would say for betters listening, uh, you will probably catch us with our pants down at least once or twice with something we offer in the first round. So uh, if you don't like what you see when uh, the draft first goes live, have patience because I'm sure you'll find something you like by the end of it. So, I mean, there, there's all kinds of mock drafts, but it looks like the uh, the edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson is supposed to be the top pick or, you know, we talk about the value of the quarterback, but the best quarterback ranking Malik Willis from Liberty. It doesn't seem to be a very strong quarterback draft. No, certainly not. There's not a lot of hype around this. And even the QBs that are at the top, uh, you know, they're at the top with caveats. I mean, Malik Willis is not particularly known as somebody. Uh, again, uh, did anybody really follow Malik Willis and Liberty uh, at all last year? Not really. Um, but also, uh, his pedigree to the extent that you can trust. Uh, and, and this is kind of the difficult thing about projecting this is the whispers, the rumors, uh, the subterfuge between all the different front offices who will either sandbag or elevate someone's candidacy. But someone like Malik Willis is suggested as uh, perhaps uh, maybe someone that doesn't know the play tree as well as a pure pocket QB uh, and someone who's dynamic in what we were able to see with some of the game tape from Liberty, but perhaps someone that will, you know, really need that accelerated education as he gets the NFL when it comes to, you know, playbook uh, competency and, you know, how that translates on the field. What we are seeing though, more and more in the NFL uh, kind of comes kicking and screaming uh, with these QBs and with these dynamic players is, uh, you know, instead of trying to have these players adjust to the NFL, some of these smarter teams build their teams around these players and build their offenses around these players and say, Hey, listen, this is what this guy can do. Let's not try and reinvent the wheel and let's build our offense. Listen, if you're spending a first overall or first round pick on this guy, it shouldn't be about blowing up everything to, you know, to adjust for him or, or sorry, it shouldn't be the other way around where you're trying to absolutely break that character down and uh, make him into someone that you didn't draft him to be, uh, you know, accelerate and you know really work on getting the most out of what his skills are and that's far easier to do uh looking at the top qb odds right now for first overall it is malik willis at currently minus 170 right now at bavada which is good news for me because i backed him at plus 140 a couple uh months back but uh it, it's pretty tight uh, kenny pickett is right there at plus 130 uh desmond ritter's there at eight to one uh, and then in the spirit of, uh, you know, cause I just talked about how one of my bets looks really good. I also did back Sam Howell earlier on at 25 to one to be the first QB selected. And he's now all the way up to 50 to one. So uh, I'm underwater on that one personally myself, but I, I would say, yeah, there's, you know, the, the draft itself can be a bit of a fun night. Although I'll always say that first COVID one where Bill Belichick's dog was sitting in the seat uh, is still my favorite draft moment. But uh, yeah, the, the intrigue that we'll see in the days leading up to it, the whispers that we have to uh, be aware of, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the Super Bowl and all the different exotics we have in that we just have to pay attention to Twitter even more and more so. If, if there's going to be trades, if there's going to be, you know, leaked rumors, are we going to try and sandbag this QB or this edge rusher or this running back? Uh, I, I dislike the draft from that point of view, but as a better, I do love that. So I can appreciate that this is a very difficult event for us to handicap, but as a better, there are so many opportunities again, either before the draft starts or when it goes live to really get your feet wet and find a good deal of value out there. Where do trades fit into this? There's all kinds of rumors with uh, Kyler Murray and where he might wind up. Um, and what that could do to the first round. How does that impact off? Again, Seth, that, that just really means that we, you know, we, we have to have our Twitter notifications dialed in. We need to have our wager trackers. We will have a guy each day 
looking just at NFL draft bets coming in from either new accounts, established accounts with us. And, um, you know, if, if we see five suspicious bets in a row, listen, we can, we can suspend betting for 30 seconds. We can take a look out there and just see if anything is happening. Um, but yeah, what it does mean is that maybe if we don't have as many eyes on this stuff, or if there's rumors percolating around this stuff that nothing has happened yet, you may see temporary reductions in limits in some of these, uh, you know, but for first overall pick and stuff like that, yeah, you can get five figures down on that right now. No problem whatsoever. When you're talking about, you know, the, maybe the latter third or halfway through the first round limits start to get down a little bit more because that's where you can see a lot of the chaos come in. And all of a sudden, someone who's, uh, you know, 30 to one to be drafted 15th overall, they're right there as the odds on favorite because of one phone call. So uh, what you will see uh, with the draft betting with us, uh, Seth, is that the further away you get from, you know, that first overall pick, maybe those top five picks, at least to start, you will see kind of lower betting limits on them. That said, as the draft progresses and we offer some of this stuff live, once we get to the eighth or ninth pick, we probably feel a little bit better about who that 10th pick is going to be again, unless craziness uh, starts coming at us. So again, we have to be versatile. We have to be super thoughtful. It's a challenging event for us to trade, but uh, certainly a fun one. It's a, it's a good way to really see how we uh, hold up, I guess, against some of the sharper betters out there. Well, and the other thing to, to note is it's such a massive television event, even though social media makes to me television irrelevant. Like you can follow the draft if you don't have a television or you don't have access to a video feed. I mean, you could follow this stuff online, whether you have you know Facebook or Twitter or, or anything. I mean, the news will come fast and furious once if you follow the right places. But yet it's a massive ratings event. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think that speaks to the NFL just continuing to be king, uh, regardless of the time of year, the hype around this, the wagering on the NFL draft, uh, Seth, uh, it just continues to be nuts. Um, you know, you're talking about, especially if you are one of those teams with the top five pick, you are talking about players that are potentially going to uh, make or break the future of the next five years of your team, especially if you're drafting, uh, you know, a top QB who's, you know, planning on starting this upcoming season. It's listen, uh, we know that every single NFL event that we offer dwarfs any single other event that we offer for any sport, you know, even the ones on this side of the globe over here. And maybe I'm, you know, partial to them while I'm still here in London, but yeah, even the wagering on the draft, uh, you're seeing five figure positions on, you know, first overall first QB selected number two, number three pick. Um, You can't stop the NFL. You can't shut it off. Even when we get to those horrible, horrible preseason games in August, People still tune into those. People still bet those more than they're betting actual MLB games that are meaningful in August between meaningful teams that are only, you know, a month plus away from playoff contention. It's it's nuts. But uh, at this point, uh, I, I've stopped fighting it. So everything NFL possible we can offer at Bavada, that's what we do. Yeah, no, and it's, it's a great it's a great event and it's, it should be a lot of fun. I, I just I find the, the, the television show is slow. Like I want the information fast. You know what I mean? Um, and it sound, it feels like you're listening to a really long podcast because they're just they're, there's a bunch of guys talking. It's a bunch of experts saying stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it, and, and there was also that stretch, right, where whether it was Schefter or whomever else, uh, you know, whoever was being drafted was being tweeted about on social media before it was actually being announced by Goodell at the stage. And that kind of 
you know, to, back to your point about you don't really need to be watching this on TV. You really don't need to be watching this on TV. And if you are, you're generally watching with delayed info. Uh, now, I know the NFL has tried to rein that in the past couple of years. But yeah, that did kind of take away from the pomp of it all. Although I do love to tune in for that very first Roger Goodell booing when he walks on stage of whatever city that he's hosting the draft in each year. That really does feel like the NFL is on its way back when you get that first Goodell boo. Uh, that warms the heart, but, <laughs> but yeah, after, after the first round, I mean, yeah, we, we still have props and everything up for, you know, day two and the rest of the draft, but you know, I, I watched the first night. Part of that is as a fan, part of that is, you know, managing uh, all the different betting options that we have out there. But after day one, that, that that's enough for me. I, I'm not really too concerned. I can't pay attention. And I think it really is the hype of the event because the NFL is king and I don't do it for any other draft. I don't watch the first round of the NHL draft and I'm a big NHL fan. I, ju- I just check the results later. I don't do check with- the results. Right. Yeah. NBA, I'll watch maybe the first five picks or so if there's something interesting there, because there's not well, often- the NBA one. It's, you know, that's for college basketball fans, you know? Oh, yeah. But but, you know, but the NBA, they only have, I think, two rounds overall. Right. So at least uh, whatever they're doing is, uh, you know, pretty quick. And uh, a lot of those players outside the first round don't have staying power. So you are not logging into this massive event that feels uh, almost as long as some of my uh, fantasy drafts that I do for sports, which I also don't have the patience for. So, you know, credit to the NFL. They can keep my attention even for a draft longer than any of these other sports, some of them, which I am, you know, larger fans of like the NHL. So, you know, they're clearly doing something right. I know we said we weren't going to do any more political stuff, but there's a sports meets politics uh, uh, controversy with Wimbledon. Uh, Wimbledon announced that all Russian and Belarusian players uh, would not be allowed to compete. And that includes the number two player in the men's side, Daniil Medvedev, and also Arena Sabalenka on the women's side. I, I mean, it really is a major shift. I mean, this is also, you know, there's all kinds of talk about Novak Djokovic and his vaccination status. They are really mixing politics with sports. And I was surprised that tennis made this move when the NHL did nothing. And, you know, the NHL, what were they supposed to do? Were they going to tell Alex Ovechkin he couldn't play? You know, who are you hurting there? But who are you hurting by telling Daniil Medvedev he can't play? Unequivocally, I really don't like it at all. I, I, there, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, you know, I, I think there's some hypocrisy there. I would never want, uh, you know, Canadian athletes or American athletes to have to answer for George W. Bush, for example. And, you know, the further we get away from Iraq, that seems to be kind of controversial. Now, I'm not saying this is the same, but the second point that I really struggle with is uh, we know how Putin treats his people and we know how he treats his uh, opponents, both foreign and domestic. If you're Medvedev, if you're Ovechkin in the NHL, you have family members living in Russia. And if you even speak out at all, against uh putin your family will be harassed well, i i don't know it, like what are even these if, athletes supposed to do i i i don't know what they're supposed to do and uh, i want to speak to you know a, a personal instance in montreal where the 17 year old russian phenom was supposed to play at the place des Arts. he's a classical he, he's supposed to be a prodigy he wrote and denounced putin denounced everything russian escalation into ukraine and the 17-year-old Russian kid was still not able to perform in Montreal at his craft, uh, just by nature of his birth. And I, I think it's really dangerous stuff. I think it, uh, it's counterproductive. I, I think there's a way to, you know, you can drape Wimbledon with all the Ukrainian flags that you want while Medvedev is playing. And I think that sends a more powerful message of unity and inclusiveness than having the world number two barred from participating. I, 
I, I really don't like it. It, it, it makes me uncomfortable. I, I again, I, I would, I would hate to be seen as somebody and that's, you know, whatever you think about Trudeau or Stephen Harper before him, or again, us politicians are, you know, the UK has it with Tony Blair as well in Iraq. I, I no, would no, no, hate but that's to think the, the, that, that see that it's two different things. You know, the, the Russian situation is an ugly one. Okay, there's no hmm. secret about that. Regardless of whether you're pro or, or again, it, the whole situation is uh, absolutely ugly. The problem is, is that when a sport starts to make a statement like that, I just don't think your target is hurt. Is Vladimir Putin affected by Wimbledon as much as Daniil Medvedev is? No, it's, not, it, not. It is literally the equivalent of telling Alex Ovechkin he can't play for the Capitals. Right. And I mean, I, I think if you're Putin and your messaging is that, uh, you know, we're, we're whatever his nonsense messaging is. But I mean, if it's us against the world, I mean, reactions like that from the uh, Wimbledon Tennis Club, uh, that kind of reinforces whatever Putin's trying to put out there to is that, you know, a friend of mine made a really good point to talking about, um, uh, you know, Russian ice hockey. But there's nothing Putin would love more than to have the Ovechkins of the world come back and play in the KHL and beef that up. He hates that he loses his best players to play in the NHL. And I mean, if there's going to continue to be this kind of pressure on, you know, Russian athletes playing in Canada, playing in the U S playing in London, uh, wherever the case may be. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like we are playing at down to his level at that point. I, I feel like we're, we're lose the moral high ground. We do stuff like that. And I, I think it's really ineffective. And, and you you hit it right on the nose there, Seth. I I I don't get it. I feel like it, it's just a needless escalation as well of already, you know, pretty spooky times out there. And uh, I do hope saner heads will prevail. Uh, but uh, it, it is unfortunate. I did think that for better or for worse, Wimbledon was going to be maybe the one tennis uh, tournament this year without any controversy, just because the UK has relaxed their uh, vaccination requirements. So whatever, wherever you stand on the issue, it looked like for the first time in maybe a year or so that all the best players were going to be in one place, at the best tournament and uh, rats spoiled again. It just remains to be seen, like, you know, what the impact. And I, I always wondered what the impact of sports would be. Um, I didn't think this, I didn't see this coming. Um, it'd be very, very interesting to see. All right. That'll do it. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy the rest of your trip from uh, London. We will next talk to you at least when you're in the continent. Uh, but uh, have a good rest of your week and enjoy the NFL draft, folks. If there's snow on the ground, I swear to God, Seth, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm.